0: You're listening to The Oaks Church, a faith family located in Denham Springs, Louisiana. For more information about The Oaks, visit oaksonline.org. God doesn't show favoritism because He doesn't, and we should be a people who don't show favoritism as well. We should be people of wisdom, seeking wisdom from God. If we ask, He will give us generously. We should be a people who do not quarrel and fight because we're not of this world but we are of Christ. We are in Christ. We should be a people who don't have self-sovereignty, but know that our God is a sovereign God. He's in control of everything. And when we seek the will of God, we know that He is in control of all things. And our life is depicted and depending on His desires and what He wants, not what we want. And He also speaks about the rich and how we should take care of the poor. And we should not oppress the poor, but we should take care of those who work for us. That we should give a fair wage. We shouldn't hold money from people. And that we should not boast about the next day thinking that we know what is next. And finally, we come up to prayer. Praying in faith. James here is speaking to people, remember, who are suffering, who are spread out, who are scattered because of the persecution that they are receiving. And that is something that we here have not experienced, or we probably do not experience. But let me warn you, there may be a day in our time where we have to suffer for the name of Christ. And this Scripture will speak to our hearts and will remind us that when we suffer for the name of Christ, that we suffer in prayer. We suffer in complete dependence on God. We live in a culture nowadays that we live in independence. We are an independent Western culture where we do everything ourselves and we depend on us. But this scripture here calls us to dependence. It calls us to depend on God. And I have a question for you. Do you live a life in prayer completely on dependence of God? But it also challenges us to be dependent on one another in prayer. We should be the church who prays for one another, who confesses our sins to one another, who loves one another in truth. So, we are called to pray because we are called to be dependent people on God. And I want you to ask this question to yourself today Have you lived in dependence on God this week? Do you live a dependent life on God? Do you seek Christ in prayer daily? Do you truly live that way, or are you independent? Do you truly have relationships with one another? The church being the church, confessing sins to one another. Or do you live a completely independent life of the church? Because it is a picture that God has placed for us in the the Scriptures that we should live as a church who holds each other accountable. And not accountable like we've seen in the past, But accountability that is true, and that is humbling, that is genuine, that when we speak about our sin, that it doesn't have to be in detail, but our sin needs to be spoken to one another, because it keeps us closer to Christ, and that is a way that God uses His people. So let's read this scripture, and we'll see what James has to say about prayer and faith and praying for one another. James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. He writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, we trust Your Word as truth without error. And God, we ask that Your Spirit would reveal the truth of Your Scripture to our minds and to our hearts. God, we trust that the Word and the Spirit is enough to sanctify us to make us more like Your Son, Jesus. And God, that's what we ask this morning as we read Your Word and we trust the Spirit to do a work within us, Your people, Your church. God, make us more like Your Son, Jesus. Change us. Make us what we're not. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at this this passage and see what James is trying to say here. And let me just go ahead and preface this real quick. Um, This scripture is not necessarily easy because how does this look in reality of the Oaks Church? That's what we have to ask. Does this look like the Oaks? Does this look like the way we function? And it should. It should look like that. We must be obedient to the Word, this is our standard of living. And so when we read this Scripture, there's things in it that's hard to interpret. There's things in it that is hard to kind of understand. And I don't come to you knowing everything about this Word, but I believe that the Spirit will guide us and lead us into truth. That's the way I preach the Word every single Sunday. When I come up here and preach, I'm just trusting the Spirit to reveal truth to me. Because I'm a flawed man, and that's why I need prayer as well. So, I want you to pray for those who speak the Word here. That you would pray for us, that we would not speak on behalf of ourselves, but we would be speaking on behalf of God. And so I just wanted to preface that when I'm reading this Scripture, when I'm teaching the Scripture, that you pray for the people who are teaching the Word here. So it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Well, we read in the beginning of this book that they were scattered. So they're definitely suffering. These people are suffering because they are spread out from their homes. They're not living where they please. They're being persecuted for their faith. So what does He say? What is the command He gives them? He says, let them pray. Let them pray. Is that encouraging? That our God hears our prayers. That when we suffer, and that when we are suffering from the name of Christ, and we pray, He hears us. He is there. He is listening when you call on His name. Otherwise, James would not say, let them pray. But he knows his God. And he knows God hears them. He knows God hears hears his people and we hear God as his people the sheep hear the shepherd they know the shepherd's voice and God hears his sheep he will go after one when there's many behind so just think about this if you're suffering if you're in a hard time if you're in trouble real trouble real suffering Pray. Pray. Your God hears you. He hears your cry. He hears your voice. He does not cover his ears when his people speak. He hears your cry. Is anyone happy, blessed? What does He say? Let them sing songs of praise. So when you're in suffering, when you're happy, when you're joyful, when things are going great, when you're blessed, we have a different picture of blessed than Jesus probably did. If you look at the Sermon on the Mountain, when He says, blessed are those, it changes our idea of blessed. But when you are happy, Sing songs of praise. Pray to your God and be thankful for He is the one who has blessed you. He is the one who caused you to be happy. And so, in your suffering and in your happiness, both sides of the spectrum, we should be praying to God. We should be speaking to our Creator. We should be speaking to our Savior. Pray. Pray. Get on your knees and pray to the Lord. Do you pray to your God? Do you pray on a daily basis? Or do you forget to pray? We all can forget to pray in our busyness. We can. But James here is calling in the suffering, in the suffering, in the worst of times, get down on your knees and pray. But also when you are happy and things are going great, don't forget to pray. Because we are a people who are dependent. We are not an independent people. We are a people who are dependent on our God and on the church. And that's how God has created us. Then in verse 14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So, it says, is anyone sick? If anyone is sick, call on the leadership of the church. Call on the overseers of the church. Call on them and ask them to pray for you that you may be healed. Wow! Has anybody ever seen that? That would be amazing to see someone sick laying in their bed and then the church, the elders of the church come and pray over them and anoint them with oil. And oil isn't really doing anything necessarily. It's not a healing thing. It's just an anointment. It's a setting apart for this one person to say, hey, look, we are going to pray specifically for you to be healed. And the anointing of oil is just a picture just an illustration of, a, of setting apart somebody. So it's not just for the elders, though. Let me just set this straight. It's not just the elders. Can other people pray for healing? Yes. Yes. They can. But James here says these are the people who should lead their church. And you should call on them and ask them for prayer. So I encourage you this morning at any time you get sick, any time you are in your bed, any time you are in the hospital, any time you're in a place where you can't get out and come here, call on the elders. Call on the pastors here of the Oaks. I want this to be very practical for you. Call on us. And we will definitely... Pray that you will be healed because the Scripture tells us to, and we believe that our God is a healer. We believe our God can heal. And we're going to talk about what if He doesn't? What if He doesn't heal? What if you pray earnestly? What if you pray with everything you have and with genuineness, believing that He's going he's to heal and He doesn't? Did you just be, didn't believe? Did you not pray with faith? We're going to talk about that. Let's look at verse 15. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So the prayer offered in faith will heal. It has to be in faith for healing to take place. You can't pray in doubt. You can't pray in such a way that that... You just, you're unsure. Do you truly trust that God who created this body can heal in whatever way He wants to? Do you believe that? I believe our God can heal. And a lot of people will stray away from this in church and say, no, no, don't don't talk about healing. You know, people will start getting up and laying hands on people. No, we're not talking about the extreme that we see on TV and they're, recollecting names of people they don't know and say, you know, this person, I don't know who you are, I don't know your your disease, you have a disease in the brain, but you're going to be healed. That's just craziness. Don't believe that. Do not believe that. They ask that you call on the church, the people within the body, the local body that you're a part of. When you need healing, when you're sick, Call on the people of God to pray. Call on them. And if they pray in faith, you may be healed. You may be healed. So, but then it says, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Here's a question. What's more important? That they will be healed by their body or they would be forgiven of sin? Remember when Jesus was healing a man, and they kept asking these questions, and he said, what's more important? That I have authority to raise this man up or that I can forgive sins? And then the man walked. The forgiveness of sins is more important than your body dying. Because there will be eternal There will be eternity after. And if your sins aren't forgiven, then you will live forever without God and in hell. But if you are forgiven of your sins, everyone will die at some point. Everyone will die. So what's the point of this healing? What's the point of It is a picture of God restoring all things, of a resurrection one day. That one day we will be resurrected. We will be in the ground and God will resurrect our bodies. Do you believe that, church? That He will resurrect us to life when we have nothing but we're just ashes. We're just dirt. He will resurrect our bodies and make us new. This healing is a picture of that. That one day God will restore all things to Himself. So when, when they ask to be healed from the elders, we're not praying because we think that we can heal them. We don't pray because we have some type of power. We believe that God will heal. We believe God will heal. Just as God forgives sins, we can't forgive somebody's sins. Only God can forgive sins. And that's why this next part is so important when we understand only God forgives sins. It says in verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess to one another your sins. We can put on a show. We can put on a face and say we live this perfect life. But we all know sitting here right now that we struggle. We struggle with sin. When we look at James and we see the commands and the things that James has asked us to do, as we walk through this, we could see, man, I could, I've sinned here, I've sinned here. And I need help. I need help from the Spirit to change me. But it's not just the Spirit that changes us. We need to confess our sins to one another. The Spirit uses each other to do that. And we need to pray for one another after we confess our sins. Why do we need to Pray for one another when we confess our sins. Well, if we just confess our sins, well, then we just have knowledge that, they, that they've sinned. But there's a purpose in confessing our sins. When we confess, we should pray for one another because we are the body of Christ. And that's how God sanctifies His church. It's through each other. Through the relationships with one another. So when we confess our sins... Don't walk away without praying for each other. Don't just confess. Don't just throw all your junk out and say, that's me, that's what I had this week, that's all my sins. No, we should pray. And that's what James is saying. If you have sins, be accountable with people. Confess your sins. And you know what that is? When we see sins within ourselves and we say, Man, this guy is sinning too. This guy is struggling with this. It's a picture of the gospel working in us. Even Paul, the closer he got to Christ, he saw his sins a lot better. A lot clearer. He knows he's a sinner, but the closer we get to Christ, we understand we're not as holy as we think we are. God has called us to holiness, but how can we live a holy life? How can we live in sanctification? How, do we, how does Christ make us more like Him? It's through confession. That's part of it. We must confess our sins and pray for one another. So then it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So what about an unrighteous person? It would seem not. Then he gives an example, verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So our first initial thought when we think about Elijah is, we're not Elijah. He's a great prophet. He's done a lot of amazing things. But if you read the story of Elijah and what he went through, there was points where Elijah wanted to be dead. He was so depressed that he would wish to be dead, that God would kill him. He had his moments. He had his stages of life, just like every one of us in here. And so, if we think about Elijah and him praying and the power of prayer, when he asked God, it was in the will of God. when when he asked God, it happened because he was a righteous man. But don't think that you're excluded from this because he's Elijah and you're not. That's why it says Elijah was a human being even as we are. We're no different than Elijah. Elijah is human just as we are. And So if he could pray that the rain would not come and it didn't come for three years, so can we. He's just a man, just as we are. The power is in God Himself. It's not in the man. We are just weak humans. We are. Let's talk about, when we talk about healing, I told you I was going to talk about this. When, what happens when we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and then we kind of get disappointed because it didn't happen? Have you ever had that happen before? I have. I have. And just in my own family, there, there, was, there was something that was just really hard to take. I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed that this would not happen. We knew it probably would. But we just prayed. I prayed and prayed that it would not happen. And it did. So did I pray out of faith? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You see, Paul, he prayed for the thorn to be removed, right? He said, Lord, please take this thorn from my side. Take it from me, take it from me, take it from me. And the Lord said, no, (laughs) no. Because in your weakness, you see my strength. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Are you okay with that answer? You have to be. He is sovereign. He is in control. And when we pray, we should pray as Jesus said to pray. Right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray in Jesus' name, that means we are praying for the Lord's will to be done. And He will give you the desires of His heart if you seek it. And even in praying, sooner or later, God can show you, this may not be my will. And your, cha- and your prayers may change. Your prayers should change over time. If you prayed for something for long enough two, three, four, five, ten years and you truly are seeking God in His will your desires for those prayers change because He is showing you, He is teaching you. He's speaking to you about His desires and His will. But there are some things that we just don't know. And we have to be okay with God being sovereign. When we pray, we must trust our sovereign God in whatever we pray for. And then know that whatever His will is, we have to be okay with it. Whatever your will, God, whatever brings you glory. If that is your heart when you pray, whatever your will, whatever brings you most glory, you know you're praying in the Spirit. If you're praying in such a way that Christ would not be glorified, that Christ isn't the sinner, then you may not be praying in the Spirit. You are not praying in the Spirit. So when you pray, pray for the will of God, genuinely, not just as a saying, but genuinely pray for the will of God. And pray that Christ will be glorified. Because in that, we pray in the Spirit of God. Lastly, in verse 19, it says, My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring you that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Okay, this is the hard scripture that I was talking about. This is hard. This is, this is kind of difficult to understand because we believe with all our heart and through the scriptures that we have eternal security through Christ. That when he saves us, we are his. Nothing, no one can take us from his hands. Right? We believe that. This is how I look at this Scripture. This is what I've read through commentaries. I've studied it. And this is what I believe the Scripture is saying. He says, if any one of you should wonder from the truth, and someone should bring that that person back, remember this. So after all this commands and things that James has given us, he says if people are wondering from the Word, from the truth that has been spoken, from Christ, you should desire to restore. You should desire and love to restore them, to bring them back, to point out their sin, to show them. Now church, that's not judging. The church says that a lot. When, when someone comes up to and and points out your sin and tries to restore you, tries to bring you closer to Christ and you're sinning, and they see that sin, the first thing that most people do is step back and say, you're judging me. That's judgment. You shouldn't judge people. We should be confessing our sins anyway. But if we're not confessing our sins to one another, and we're wandering from Christ, and we're sinning, and a believer sees that, we should desire to restore them to Christ in love. That is the hope that when we approach them that our hope is that they would come to Christ. That they would be restored to Him. That's not judging. That's just love for another brother or sister in Christ. If your motive is love to speak truth in love like Ephesians says, then that is what the church should look like when sin is in, in the church. Sin cannot be rampant in the church. That is a picture of death. That is not a picture of a people who were changed by the gospel. So then it says, you should bring that person back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Okay. Let's read Jude for a second. Let's go to Jude, the end of Jude and see what Jude has to say about eternal security. Jude, there's there's only one chapter, so verse, verse 24. Jude Verse 24 says, To Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Do you hear that? To Him who is able... To keep you He is able to keep you from stumbling, and he is able to present you before His presence, His glorious presence, only him. And so if he is only able, then is that clear? We are not able to do that, only God. but can God use His people? to keep you from stumbling. Can God use the people of God, the church, to keep you from stumbling? Yes, He can. And He does. And He will. And that's what this Scripture is speaking of. Is that God uses us as a part of keeping His people. Keeping His people as righteous, holy people, blameless before Him. So the church is that picture of keeping each other accountable, keeping each other holy, keeping each other from sinning. That is the picture of the church. That is the picture that James presents. And so when he says, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. What he's saying is, Make sure you go up to a brother if they're sinning. Because what that's doing is that's keeping him. That's God keeping him. He's using you to keep him, as it says in Jude. We do not do the keeping. We aren't the people who forgive. We aren't the people who heal when we pray. It's God. God does a work through His people. That is what the church is supposed to be about. It's God doing a work through His people as we pray. Are we a church who prays together? Are we a church who confesses sin to one another? Are we a church who when when someone is sick that they call on the elders of the church to ask for healing, to ask for them to be healed of their sickness? I just want to be very practical to this Scripture and be obedient to what it says. Church, I want to encourage you, when you're suffering or when you go through suffering, pray. Your God hears you. Be a dependent person on God. Be a dependent believer on God and trust Him. When you're happy, when you're blessed, when things are just going great, be thankful. Sing songs of praise. Pray to your God in thankfulness. When you're sick, call on the church to pray for you that you may be healed and seek the will of God and trust Him. Seek His desires and what He wants. And lastly, when you see a brother stumbling or falling away from the truth of God's Word, let's approach them in love so that they can be sanctified daily in Christ. Because that is what the church should look like. People who are being sanctified daily through prayer and through the work of the the Word and the Spirit of Christ. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is so good and it challenges us to be a people who pray in every situation. God, we need You. It's that simple, God. We need You. We are completely dependent on You and You working through Your people in prayer. God, in every thing, every situation, every trouble, every blessing, God, we come to You in prayer of thankfulness and dependence on You. God, sanctify us through the Word and the Spirit this morning and every day as we seek Your face, as we seek to give You glory through every aspect of our life and our work and our families, through our friendships and relationships, through our resting. God, we pray that we would glorify Your name. God, lead us Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from from evil. Give us our daily bread, God. Give us our daily needs. Thank You for giving us our food and the things that we need, a house, a roof over our head. God, thank You for the church. You know what You're doing, God. Use us to be sanctified daily as we pray for each other, confess our sins to one another.